Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Brothers Atlanta. I am Matt. I'm alongside here my partner Ro. Um, getting back what's to up, you. Um, been a, been a couple of weeks and you know there's a lot that's been uh, a lot that's been going on. So we got a pretty good show stacked up today. Of stuff we're going to talk about. Um, we're gonna start off with the Hawks. You know it's a uh, it's a different year. We were a little disappointed in the way that the season was abruptly ended for those guys last year. Um, they get a chance this year to kind of show what they have to offer in this whole rebuilding process and see if they can make that big leap forward. And so me and Ro kind of, you know, just talk a little bit about what we've seen in the first couple of games. Um, obviously, the past couple of games have not been so well. They blew two 15-point leads in a, in a row, and then, you know, they had a, a pretty big loss last night to Charlotte. So, Ro, you just you can go first and kind of tell me, you know, what do you see in this team? What do you see in the coaching staff? Um, and what started off as a very – a very good look for the Hawks. And then all of a sudden it's taken, you know, a little bit of a turn. Well, when the Hawks started out three and oh, I was very excited. I was happy. Um, but then I started looking at that. I started analyzing the team, even when it was three and oh, I was analyzing, looking at, uh, looking at them doing their three and oh run to start the season. They still was giving up a lot of points. And, So um, that bothered me. Then they went on a three-game losing streak. So then I knew I knew something was up. Then definitely wasn't good at all either. There. So yeah, you know, I, uh, I do. You think it's the you think it's the coaching staff at at this point with not being able, especially those two fifteen-point losses. Do you think it's not being able to make adjustments at halftime, even with you being up so big? You know, because you still, I mean, it's the same thing with football, you know, even if you're up two scores, three scores, you still got to make adjustments because you know that other team can come out and if they make better adjustments than you, they could very easily win that game. Yeah, I think it is uh, problems with Pierce and his, and his, well, it ain't his whole staff, Nate McMillan's pretty good defensive coach, that's what they brought him in for, but I don't think Pierce is allowing him to do what he needs to do. I think Pierce is all on Pierce right now. Uh, he's not able to make those adjustments at halftime. And then I saw one game, I think, uh, after the back-to-back -back against uh, – after the uh, two games after, uh, against the Nets, uh, they played a back-to-back -back game after the Nets. They played the next night. I think it was good Cleveland they lost. Um, I think they should have rested their starters, but they didn't rest their starters, and they ended up getting beat that game too, and they had a big lead in that game. They lost it. So I think a lot of us has been tired because I see a lot of teams start the season. If they have a back-to-back -back game, the coaches will rest the starters game two of that back-to-back -back series uh, where Pierce, he didn't do that. So, I mean, I think also I'm going to give a little credit to Pierce. I think what he's doing, he's still trying to learn his players in his lineup because Gallinari really ain't played yet too much consistently since he's been having ankle injuries. So I, I think that's a little bit of problem too. So I don't think he's really set up a, a solid rotation yet. So, you know, and I think he's trying to get used to Capella also as well. Uh, in a lineup and whether he should play him and John Collins at the same time or should he keep doing like he did last night. Uh, he took John Collins out and he put Capella in, but Capella was getting a lot of rebounds, man. I think he had like 16, 17, 18 rebounds somewhere in there. Um, 
and then he put, take Capella out when he's doing good, and then he put John Collins back in. Well, John Collins did good what he's playing too, because he had like 20 points, 10 boards too. So he's productive on the boards too. So I still think he's trying to figure out a system out that works best for him. But he's a young coach too. So a lot of people, a lot of fans are like, oh man, you get rid of Pierce and all that. Uh, well, Pierce does have a lot of pressure on him because Nate McMillan can take over at any time. So, but I don't think it happened this season though. But you know, um, he's got a lot of pressure on him. But I think he's trying to figure it out. And right now he's a young coach, so I think he's gonna make a lot of mistakes as he has been that you pointed out, Matt. Yeah, I I I I don't know, man. It's it's tough at the beginning of the year because, like you said, I think part of it is just he's trying to figure out his team. And with the offseason that's not per usual, um, that would kind of allow for a better version of that. Um, it's definitely, I think, taking a toll. I think it's going to take the first 15 to 20 games to kind of really figure out what your rotation should be, um, your bench guys, who plays better with who, and things like that. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I love the way that they started, like you said, and I, they've still got the ability to score with anybody. Last night, obviously, they had a bad night shooting, and so you could kind of expect them to lose. But what we talked about all offseason, row was the defense and, you know, can Nate McMillan really make a difference there? Can Lloyd Pierce kind of step up with making his adjustments at halftime or making adjustments in general? And the first, you know, three, four games were promising. And then, you know, I hope that this trend is more of just a – learning process than it is an actual issue with Lloyd himself. One thing I want to bring up, Matt, here while we're talking about them, uh, that's a concern. I was listening and following the game last night um, on 92.9, the game. I was following it, and I was listening to it on the radio. Um, and they had mentioned, uh, broadcasters mentioned that they, they found it kind of weird and odd about Trey Young last night, and I thought it was, too. Uh, at one point, again, I think it was like, mm, about three, four minutes left in the game, and Trey was only like one for seven in that game. And, you know, I was like, one for seven? I mean, they was like, this is weird. This is a weird game. They'd never seen Trey play. Like, he wasn't taking in any shots. He was passing up on a lot of shots. He only took seven shots last night. And that's not consistent with how he's been playing. He's always taking more than seven shots, man, Matt. He takes at least 13 to 19 shots a game at best. And you don't take seven shots last night? That's a problem. Yeah, as, as, a, as a Hawks fan, and especially if you're going to want to eventually attract big free agents or you want to see this team get better, I, I want to see Trey shoot the ball a lot more than what he did last night. And to be quite honest, I think the games that we have lost all in a row here, I, I think that what you said is true. I think he needs to step up and he needs to shoot the ball. He's the centerpiece of this team, him and Collins, in my opinion. And I want him to step up and make plays when it matters. You know, and there's, there's a couple guys, you know, you look at Harden, you look at Westbrook and Kyrie and stuff like that, and they shoot the ball a ton. But they've also been able to score a ton in their career, and I don't want Trey to follow down that path to a T because I think sometimes those guys kind of get themselves in trouble, especially in big games. But I want him to make sure that he takes his shots. And I'm glad he's getting assists and looking for the open guy and stuff like that. But if you're as talented as he is, man, I want, you know, sometimes I want him to step up and be the guy that, and set the tone and, and flip a game around, you know? Yep. So, I, I don't know, man. It's, I, you were, f uh, what, four and four now? Um, I think we're mm -hmm. at sixth, eighth spot. Eighth spot now. Eighth. We were fifth last night before the loss. So, um, yep, eighth spot. 
we'll see. You know, um, I know they got a rematch with them coming up this weekend. Um, so we'll just have to see how they adjust, how Lloyd adjusts. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I don't, I haven't heard much. We talked about it, you know, a couple shows ago. Maybe limited fans for the MLK game. I haven't heard any bit more on that. Um, so that's also something to look forward to. If anybody's wanting to go watch, you'll have to see what what's going on there. But um, yeah, it's it, this this season's interesting. Without the fans, they got the advertisements up there. Everybody's kind of spread out. It's definitely a different scene. But I, are you glad it's not the bubble? Oh yeah, I'm glad to see that. Uh, I'm glad to see the bubble gone. Definitely. Yeah, that was, that was brutal watching every single game on the same court. So um, I'm glad they got that figured out. It's nice to see them at home, being able to travel and stuff like that is definitely a, a good thing. But we'll see. We'll you know next time we come on the show, we'll talk about you know they probably have a couple more games under their belt and kind of see if Lloyd's able to make an adjustment on the defensive side of the ball because we know we all know that they can score with anybody. So. Yeah, All right, we do. Moving on, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the Braves a little bit here. Um, believe it or not, you know the. It could be possible that spring training, if they don't push back the season, is in about a month. Um, very quick turnaround. Obviously, the season was a little bit, del- or it was really delayed last year, but it ended a little bit later than what it normally does. Um, so we're gonna have a quick turnaround. There's a, a couple teams making moves. Um, more of just re-signing guys. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what the Braves do, especially in this market with the whole COVID situation and the financial situation with a lot of the owners who took a lot of big hits. Um, but, Ro, we've talked about the guys that we want to see come back. Obviously, the big one, Marcelo Zuna. If he's not able to be re-signed, they're going to have to look elsewhere. Uh, there's a couple guys that come to mind. There's George Springer out there, uh, Michael Brantley in the outfield. Um, you could also just go with internal options in the outfield. But one thing that we know for certain with the past two years that we've seen Freddie really exceed is he's had a very big hitter behind him in the fourth spot, whether that was Donaldson or Ozuna. So whatever it is they decide to do, we know that they need to step up and get a really big bat to protect him so Freddie can really exceed. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think about the uh, pitching rotation? I know I, I listened to some of the other news reports about the – uh, about the way the pitcher rotation for the Braves has, wasn't good last year. They came in almost last in their ERA as far as pitching and stuff like that. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I and, mean, yesterday or last year was weird too because, you know, we had Soroka go down and then, you know, yeah. we had uh, all, all of that happened and all of a sudden we were down to Max Freed and then Ian Anderson came on a little bit into the season. But after that, we really didn't have anybody – step up and be, you know, a, a solid guy in that rotation. And so, uh, you know, the emergence of Bryce Wilson in that playoff game was nice. They've added a couple pieces. They added Charlie Morton, who's a huge veteran, you know, presence for us. He was actually a member of the Braves um, at the youngest part of his career. It just didn't work out, but he really found himself um, for the rest of his career. And he's come back, and I think he'd be a huge help. Um, they signed Drew Smiley, who – might be able to enter that fifth spot. He may mix into the bullpen there. Just another good veteran arm that I think could help us. Um, so we'll have to see. You know, we, it looks like we'll probably get Soroka back for, I'd say, probably 90% of the season. If it's not pushed back, if it is pushed back, it could possibly be the entire season. Um, yeah. Which is really good. I hope so, not. Yeah. I mean, you, you, want him, you don't want him to play at all? Or? 
No, no. I mean, I want him. I want him there for the full season. But I want. I want yeah. him to. I I would like to see the season pushed back just so we could get a full season of okay, Sirocco. Okay. Yeah, I, the, yeah. I, I, I like I like that. But even though I like the emergence of uh, Eon Anderson, I like that. Uh, yeah. He had a good freshman year, good rookie year that is, and uh, I I think his future's bright too as well. So definitely. Yeah, and I, you know, he he's a guy that can really step up. And to be quite honest, I don't know if you put Soroka too or you put Ian Anderson too in that five man rotation because um, they're yeah. both going to be very good. But I, that's a good problem to have. Um, obviously, Max Fried's going to be your ace for the year. You'll have Soroka, you'll have Anderson, and then you'll have the two guys that I mentioned that were that were signed for us this year um, with the possibility of a young guy like Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson also competing for that fifth spot during spring training. Uh, so that'd be good. Yeah. And I think if, if we can lock that down, I think this team will be very solid moving forward because if we didn't play more than 60, if we played more than 62 games last year, excuse me, um, I think uh -huh. the season potentially could have gotten bad for the Braves just because we had no starting pitching. Um, I we agree with you. We were, able, we were able to get away with it for 62 games because our bats were just so hot. But I don't know, man. You play 100 more games and we still don't have any starting pitching. Um, I think that season could have taken an ugly turn. So maybe it was a good thing that we had a short season. But we've got a full one this coming year. And so that pitching staff's going to have to get figured out. And Anthopoulos did a good job of, of recognizing that. He went out and got some good veteran pieces. Um, and he could, not, he could possibly not be done yet. He knows that he's got to go get a big bat for the outfield. Um, or just another big bat in general. So it's uh, what's up with Azuna? He don't want to sign Azuna. He what doesn't know. Think, so? I think he's really waiting to hear about the official DH rule. As of now, I assume that they're looking for players with the mindset of that there's not going to be a DH this year. Um, and so the the real debate has been: Do you stick Azuna out in left field, knowing that um, he could potentially cost you? a few runs, a game here, a game there with his defensive play, but you've also got to recognize that he could win you a couple games with his bat alone. So I feel like yeah, it kind of uh, uh, cancels out. Well, well then they also got to think of Anthopolis. So, too, you got to think about uh, Washington Nationals to look at any. Two, I want to lose him to a division rival. I yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't want to do that. That, uh, that can cost you. You know, that can hurt you some because they played him a lot. So I don't want to do that. Yeah, there's. I know the Nationals will be looking, and I know Mets with Steve Cohen coming in, who, quite frankly, is in the driver's seat because he's a new owner, which means he did not lose money last year because he was not a nope. part of that team. So he's got money. Um, it would just be I. You can't lose him to a division rival. First of all, that just can't happen. Um, and I don't think you will. I think if he doesn't sign with the Braves, I think he's going to go to an Ameri American League team and be a DH. Um, but like I said, you don't want to lose him inside the division because he will he will hurt you for many games, and so that's that's not something you want. I think they'll be able to get it done with him. I have a weird feeling about it, but this market is very slow because nobody knows what the market is right now because so many people took such a hit during the season, and so yeah, that kind of that kind of brings up the next you know debate of um, they're gonna have at least in my opinion I think they're gonna have to push back the season in order to get in majority of the fans to create revenue so the season can actually go along. Because I don't think they're going to be able to get through another season without fans. I quite, I quite simply think that the owners do not have enough money for that. And pay the players is the biggest thing, too.
So that's going to be an interesting, an interesting point. And I think that that's what all of the owners in the meetings and in the commissioner think, and the players have got to understand it too, that the, the season's going to have to be pushed back so they can get fans in to, you know, to generate revenue. Um, it could possibly just start out with season ticket holders. We've also got a big situation here in Atlanta to where we have the all-star game in the summer that's going to have to create money. And so um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I don't think as, as Atlanta and with the money that the all-star game is going to generate that we want to yeah. skip out on, on half capacity. We want full capacity. You got that right. Sure do. So I – Good. Uh, I think it better – it was supposed to be here, right? It's supposed to be here, I think. Yeah, it's supposed to be here, and you got to think about the money that the battery is going to generate, the money that the hotels and the Ubers and just just the economy as a whole within this, you know, half-mile radius that I live in. Man, you're going to – you're talking about some serious money being generated because with the everybody missing the All-Star game last year, I think this could be a huge opportunity for the city to really right. create some money. Well, go along with that, Matt. Also, you got to think about how much money that the bat, the Braves and the Battery lost last year also as well Right. Uh, for that half a season. We lost a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars. I think I forgot what the uh, numbers were, but it was up in the 200 millions uh, range. So what they'll be doing if they have the All-Star game here this year and the fans come out, they'll generate, they'll gain some of that back. Yeah. What they lost last year due to the All-Star game. They gained a lot of that back. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think that Atlanta's, and being quite honestly, they're kind of fortunate that, you know, the, the local government and stuff like that didn't completely shut down restaurants and, and stuff like that inside the battery. Because if they would have shut yeah. that down and there was no, no, nobody inside that area, um, it would have been, been a problem because I was down there for the playoff games, man, and there was a ton of people down there a ton. So hopefully they were able to generate a little bit, but if they didn't have a situation like that, um, I don't, I don't know how much money they would have lost. Yeah, Matt, I drive through the battery and uh, a lot of the restaurants have still been able to stay open <clears throat> and function. Uh, but if I've been in some other neighborhoods uh, where restaurants have closed down, Matt, permanently. So we don't want that at the battery when a lot of those places are just now starting to open up. Yeah. Cause I you mean, know? we've talked about it before the atmosphere that it creates, not only for the All-Star game coming up, but just for Braves games in general, especially on the weekend, man. Everybody gets out of the stadium, and instead of going home like they used to do in Turner Field because it was such in a sketchy location, man, they go to dinner, they stay out, they have some drinks, and then, you know, they're, they're out there all night spending money, which is exactly what the Braves and the Battery were thinking of, you know, from the beginning. Put it in a good location, you know, a good neighborhood. You've got all these cool amenities around it. Hang out, spend some money. Yeah, because the thing about the uh, battery is only three years old and it's been put in place to generate money. So, uh, you know, the uh, coronavirus has hurt a, a lot of those businesses. So I'm, I'm hoping it, hoping the Braves owners, which owns the battery, hope they give a lot of people, you know, leeway on their uh, leases and stuff like that, too. Thanks, you know, due to the coronavirus as well. So, yeah, because they they know it'll take a couple of years, but they know they'll generate that money back. Um because like we've talked about and, and a lot of the countries talked about, whenever this thing gets figured out, whether that's May, June, July, whenever it is, um, 2021 is going, to be a, is going to be a huge year for this country because everybody's just itching to get out, whether that's travel, go to games like we're talking about. You know, just getting out of the house in general, feeling safe. I mean, the economy, if, 
if people got money in their pocket, man, it's gonna it's gonna explode, which would be oh, huge yeah. for the Braves. It will be, definitely. But but, but I, if I was, I mean, the agree with the owners, I think may be a good start date versus yeah. April. I think may be good since they just coming off a late season and also um, short the season again this year as well, just like last season. The NBA did it, and you know, NBA had. You know, normal games, 82 games. Well, this season, they had only 72 games this year, so they cut off 10 games. So, you know, I think that was good. Yeah, I think they're going to cut out about 25 to 30 games this year um, and then start the season in May. And what that allows to happen is you can get, like we talked about, we can get all the older coaches vaccinated, the ones that are in danger. We can get all the older people that are just on the staff in general for the Braves vaccinated we can get the older fans that want to come to the game vaccinated. We just, if you give yourselves another month, you know, we can get this into a lot more people and people can feel more safe. The league can feel more safe about what they're doing and we can get back to a, a sense of normalcy. Yeah, we sure can most definitely. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, like we said, the Braves are obviously not done making moves guys. They're going to, they're going to take a lot of pieces um, to get this team back to where it was. Um, Obviously, the pitching staff is going to be better than what it was last year with the additions that we just talked about. Got to add a yep, big bat definitely. behind Freddie if you want to see him have another year like he did last year. Um, we do. And there's pieces out there. I mean, Anthopoulos knows it, but he's not, he's not vocal. We've heard this a million times. He is not vocal about what he wants to do and who nope. he wants. He's going to keep it to himself, and he is going to hit you with a trade at 1230 in the afternoon that, or a, a signing that nobody knew about. So That's him. Um, yep. and, that, and that's how he does it because he – he, that's just the game he plays, and he can sneak in, and he may be even he might overpay for some guys. We I think we've seen it with Smiley and and Morton that he signed in the offseason. He might have overpaid for him, but he signed it right there. There was nobody else looking for him, and he got the guys that he wanted. So um, I like what he's doing, and I think that he'll figure it out. He knows what, he's a, in my opinion, he's one of the best GMs in baseball right now, and so I think he'll. He'll get this team back, and, you know, we'll wind up facing the Dodgers again in the NLCS if everything goes right. So, um, yeah, Matt, yeah, got to get over the I, I hump like, with those guys. Yeah, Matt, I like Anthopolis. Uh, I, I trust him, uh, and I think he's a good GM. I think he's one of the best in the, in the game, too, as well. But I don't like that he keeps saying things a secret. Yeah, as fans, so as fans you want to know. You want to see those head. rumors, man. Yeah. You want to see yeah. the rumors. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. Well, you know. He won't tell you nothing. Yeah, no, he won't. And I tell you, I like him a, a whole lot more than a guy that we had as a GM in the other front office of an Atlanta team. And we'll transition over to that right now as the Atlanta Falcons. Thank God that Dimitrov is gone. Thank God Dan Quinn's gone. Um, I don't want any remnants of, of that team or in that coaching staff and that GM left when we start this season next year. I don't want Raheem Morris back. Really? He did nothing. He did nothing. That, <laughs> he did nothing that impressed me any more than what Dan Quinn would have done. Plus, he was a member of Dan Quinn's coaching staff, and I want them all gone. I want it all the way down to the ball boy. I want them gone, and I want to start uh, over. And they've, hired, they've interviewed good guys, so let's see what they do. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Raheem Morris, I didn't think you would say that, but I agree with you, though. On a, uh, a Raheem Morris gone as well, and, and the whole rest of the uh, coaching staff left from Dan Quinn. I agree with that. Get rid of them all. Really, I didn't really didn't want him as an uh, interim coach anyway, Raheem Morris. I didn't think it would do any good. I think it hurt him even more 
uh, doing that. But, you know, a lot of coaches go to a lot of general managers and, and owners go that way. They'll pick somebody from the rest of the staff to take over when they fire somebody midseason. I'm like, that's stupid. Why don't you just hire a whole new coach in the middle of the season, you know, somewhere else? I think that's dumb. But, you know, hey, that's what they do. And uh, so, yeah, bringing somebody new. Um, there's a lot of co- college coaches out there and pro coaches who are looking for jobs. So, hey, we'll, we'll see. I hope it's somebody who's really good, got a lot of experience, you know what I'm saying? But not necessarily a championship. Uh, Dan Quinn had a championship as a, uh, as assistant coach with Carolina Panthers. I mean, but so, uh, hey, you know, I mean, Seattle, I mean, Seattle. So uh, that didn't do any good. So not necessarily you have to have a championship, but you have to be really solid and stable me to me and I think they really need more uh, a coach who come in who got a defensive mindset because their defense here sucks yeah it's bad badly it's very bad it's bad it's got the most holes on on the defense versus the offensive side yeah the offense got some holes they need to be filled up through draft and free agency but the defense is really horrible yeah so we'll go ahead and and run down the list of coaches that the Falcons have, have gone ahead and interviewed obviously they um started off with Raheem Morris their interview coach because that's just in my opinion, that's the respectable thing to do as an owner um, for a guy who stepped in and took over. I think it's Tradition. important that you, yeah, at least you give him the opportunity and the full, um, the full routine of what it's like to be an interim coach. Eric Bimini, which is the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, obviously a very, very hot interview candidate for any team looking for a job, although the Texans uh, did not interview Eric Bimini, which was nice because that at least takes one team off the list. So obviously, you know, what the Chiefs have been able to do these past three years are just, it's flat out incredible. Obviously, obviously Patrick Mahomes plays a huge role into that, just his ability to make plays when things break down. Um, but I like, I like Bimini's um, schemes and his concepts. And I think that he would um, be a good addition as a head coach. We got Robert Sala, who is the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. A um, lot of energy. This defense, with as broken as it was throughout the season, he was still able to make it work, and I just like that grit and the character about the coach. And obviously he was going to be a hot candidate as well for a lot of teams, so that was interesting to see. And then you've also got Joe Brady, who's going to be interviewed, I think, today, who was the passing game coordinator last year – or two years ago, excuse me, for LSU in the national championship team. He then took on the offensive coordinator role for Carolina and now he is being interviewed by the Falcons and probably a couple other teams for the head coaching role so talk about a huge jump and um, just coaching experience in general from a passing game coordinator at a college to all of a sudden being interviewed for head coaching jobs yeah yeah I like San Francisco defense coordinator I think he'll be good he'll be good fit for here Um, and he's a little bit different than Dan Quinn you know so I, I like him, and I do like the offensive coordinator for um, Kansas City Chiefs, too, as well. So, you know, I think you do need more better schemes. So, you know, and it might help Matt Ryan. I mean, but Matt Ryan, I mean, come on, man. He's going into his 14th season, so how much better can he get? He's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, he's putting up Hall of Fame stats. So, you know, he's all automatic shooting for the Hall of Fame. But uh, my only question is, can you make him a better leader? Because I've was seeing some – some holes in his leadership skills that needs to be handled, you know, cause he has a lot of breakdowns too mentally to me for his leadership qualities, you know, so he needs it. Can you teach that uh, in 14th season as a starting quarterback? Can you help him in that area? 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I don't know, man, it's, there's, there's problems that are bigger than the coaching changes that we're going to endure for this team. Um, obviously the players, there's a couple on both sides of the ball that are really hindering this team's performance. And so, you know, as the GM and as the owner, you've got to look at this team and say, you know, and look at the coaches too in the interview and says, do you think that you can, that you can take this team to the playoffs and further on with what you have right now? Or, you know, what do you, what do you think you have to do in the draft to get us there? I think those are very important questions, especially with the Falcons having the fourth overall pick, which we'll jump into right now. Um, it, it, it sounds like and it looks like when you have an opportunity to pick this high, you've got to uh-huh. go with, in my opinion, either the best player available or a quarterback. Uh-huh. And it, it's tough because, I, in my opinion, everybody's like, give me Justin Fields, give me Justin Fields, give me Justin Fields. And I have two things to say with that. One, he's not going to be available at four. I think the first two guys taken are Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So I got I that. Agree. And I then agree. two, hey, I, I, love, I love the way he played that game against Clemson. Obviously, that's the best game that he has played in his career. But if you take that game out of it, I, I was very timid to take him just because I haven't seen a ton from him. I've seen a season and a half out of him. I saw all of last year, which he looked decent last year, but he was not able to throw the deep ball at all last year. He obviously looked a little bit better in the Clemson game throwing the deep ball, but that was just one of the – I wouldn't even call it a fluke game. That was just a game that he had more to play for because Dabo Sweeney pissed him off in the entire Ohio State team. But I, it'll be interesting to see his draft stock after this Alabama game, and if he can perform like that he did against Clemson, then I'll change my mind. But – I'm not sold on Justin Fields right now, and uh, I'll let you kind of talk about what you see in that fourth pick. Well, uh, what I say, what I've been talking about the last couple of years on our show, um, you, you know, what you do, there's two ways you pick. You either pick by best available or you pick by what you need on your team at that time. Um, to me, I've always complained about the running back spot. I know you heard me say it a lot of times. I think we need to go for running back at that time, who's the best available, the best running back in the draft at that fourth pick, because uh, I'm tired. You keep changing running backs every, every year. You got a different runner start running back in the, in the backfield, Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons. So I think they need to improve on that running back spot. That would help Matt Ryan out a lot too. I think you need a real stud there and who uh, Matt, I don't know who would be the best running back uh, in the draft at that fourth pick, but I think you need to go for running back. Because we know the Falcons got other holes, offensive line holes, defensive line holes, secondary issues. But I'm looking at the running back spot because I'm tired of keep going through all these running backs, you know. So, yeah, I, I am at. too. But I, I, and obviously the number one running back that's going to be taken is Najee. Um, <laughs> but absolutely not in the first round. I, I love running backs. Yeah. I love Najee Harris. But, guys, I mean, NFL running backs are five years and they're done. And if you're looking for a big piece for your team this high in the draft or in the first round in general, that, I mean, your first round pick is a guy that is going to come in and you think that he is going to play and be successful for a long time. I mean, that's what the Rams thought with Todd Gurley, right? So they took him and all of a sudden he's got arthritis five years down the road and he can't play anymore. So, I mean, I'm very timid with taking running backs in the first round and I'm kind of timid with taking them in the second round. I think running backs are, if they're that good, like Najee is, then, May I take a flyer on him late in the second round, but do not take him first. 
See, the reason why a lot of fans want Justin Fields to go is because he's a hometown boy. Just going to say, man, a lot of fans outside of Atlanta don't know this, but yeah, he's 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 a Cobb County boy. So, yeah. you know, the area that we live in. So, you know, that's why a lot of people, you know, want him. So, you know, so that's why, you know, Harrison High School guys. So that's why a lot of people want him here as fans. But, you know, he, he's missing some things for his quarterback qualities. But, you know, but he can grow into them. I like him, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I would like – I prefer Trevor Lawrence better. But And he's here from here, too, as well. So, <laughs> you know, hey. Uh, but he's from Georgia, he's a Georgia board too as well. So, but neither one of them is going to be available anyway, just like you said. So that's why I was going for the running back spot, which I know that's a big need for us. And we suck every year in the running game stinks. You know, if you're going to bring a new head coach in here, bad, think about it. You're going to bring a new head coach in here. You can't be a one dimensional team. So you, we already got the quarterback. So you just going to be a passing team. There's you, you're predictable. I don't know what kind of playbook you can, you can settle up on, where you're just going to be one-dimensional and the defense is not going to figure you out. Right. I, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see that happen. But the thing about it is you've gone 60 years without a Super Bowl ring. I, hey, man, Matt, Matt Ryan's window ain't that big. So, uh, for his playing, like I said, he's going to his 14th season. So, you need a running back. Um, go along with him. If not, you're going you're gonna to be in some big trouble because you're going to have to draft a quarterback and a running back now. And you got to worry about the defense. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's why I chose the running back first. Yeah, and that and you saying that right there just makes me believe that guys, this this team right now is not meant to be in the playoffs. Um, it's gonna take a couple years. You gotta get a quarterback, you gotta get a running back, you're gonna have to replace Julio, and you're gonna have to fix the defense. You are not gonna be able to fix that in one offseason. That's just not gonna happen. Um, and so you have to think about that when hiring offensive coordinators, head coaches and GMs as well, is that are you going to bring an offense coordinator and a head coach for Matt Ryan, or are you going to bring an offense coordinator and a head coach in for the quarterback that you think is going to be the future of this team? Right. That, is, that is my biggest thing is you can't bring an offensive coordinator and a head coach for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's got two years left. He's got one, maybe two years left, if that. So you cannot bring in a head coach and offensive coordinator that works for him because he's not the future. And you're not hiring a head coach and offense coordinator for a year. You're hiring him for what you think could be a very long run. And so yeah, usually, I, head, usually head coaches, they sign for at least five seasons. Right. And there's just there's no way that you can do that for, uh, you know, for a quarterback that is not the future anymore. Five years ago, six years ago. Yeah, you could have done it. But yeah. not now. Not now. You've got to go other ways and you've got to get a quarterback in. And with Fields and Lawrence being gone. Uh, the next best option, at least in my opinion, is Zach Wilson from BYU, who's a very oh, under-the-radar okay. guy because they didn't play a lot. They're on the West Coast. But, man, I really like what I've seen from the kid, and I think that he could be just as good as the other two guys in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah. He'll be a good one. And if you, don't, and if you don't take those big-name players like Fields and Lawrence, you could allow him to sit under Ryan for a year or two and develop. That's which right. I think could be a which I think could be a good thing for him. I agree with that. Definitely. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, I don't. It's it's a tough yeah. spot for whatever coaches come in because they have yeah. to straight up tell the owner or straight up tell Arthur Blink in the face, "This is like we're going to have to rebuild this team. I can't win with this team right now." 
And nope. that's, that's awful. That's, you know, that's a ballsy thing to say to an owner, but if you're in the interview, he, he wants honesty. And so yeah. you've got to tell him, you know? Yeah. I, I can't say that. I can't go in an interview and say, Oh, I can win with this team. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> That'd be a lie. <laughs> Shoot. Definitely be a lie. There's, there's young core pieces and there's good core pieces on both sides of the ball. Obviously Calvin Ridley, you've got the young offensive line guys that I think will be good. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, you got Grady Jarrett, you've got Aluakon and Debo as linebackers who I think are good, and you got A.J. Terrell. Yeah. And those are the pieces that you need to build around. You obviously need a ton of pass rushing, and you're going to have to find that from free agency and the draft combined, but that's going to take a couple years. Um, and you're going to have to find, like we said, a quarterback, running back, or a wide receiver to replace Julio because um, he's obviously running on empty right now. So, yeah. Um, it's Definitely. a lot of pieces, man. A lot of pieces. A lot. I agree there. Uh, that's why I said there's too many holes to fill. You can't fill them all in one draft. I guarantee you that. No. Nope. It's going to take a couple. And, you know, it's almost yeah. to the point where do you trade back and accumulate draft picks? I don't know. That's just something that the GM and the owner are going to have to talk about with the head coach, you know. Um, yeah. So if you know it's going to take a couple drafts, why not? try to accumulate as much as possible. That's, that's what I would say, you know, I agree. Yeah. Get, get volumes and volumes of draft picks for these next couple of years. So that way you can really develop your team. So that's, that's right. Last thing we're going to talk about, they got a, we got a game coming up in a couple of days here in the actual championship, um, different season, but almost this, what we figured what would happen at the end of the year. Obviously I think a lot of people thought Alabama and Clemson would be a rematch. Um, yeah. But we get Ohio State instead, and honestly, I'm glad it mixes it up a little bit. Um, it does. Be interesting to see how this game is going to go. Obviously, Ohio State coming off a very emotional win against Clemson after things that Dabo said and the Clemson fans have said in general. Um, oh, we who, just lost to them last year. <laughs> yeah, who, who looked like they were very much looking past this game. Uh, yeah. And they were not ready for that. Uh, uh-uh. Justin Fields, Trey Sermon um, – Huge pieces for that Ohio State offense against a Alabama defense who has very much improved over the years, but still has some obvious holes. Um, so that'd be a good matchup. And then obviously, I mean, Heisman winner, Devonta Smith, Mac Jones, Najee Harris. I mean, that That's offense is, is an absolute firepower. That's a juggernaut. That's a juggernaut um, right there, man. I don't know how you can beat that, Matt, but man. Yeah. They, they, uh, Justin Fields and we we'll to find Sherman and we we'll to find some holes on Alabama's defense to uh, <clears throat> tackle that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Um, Took I the words think, out of my mouth. Yeah. It's, I, I think both of these offenses are just going to explode. Um, so that's going to be very interesting in this game. Um, Devonta Smith, obviously, incredible year. He very, very, very deserved that Heisman Award um, just from what he was able to do in. Not 12 games, well, 12 games total now, but not the full regular season. You know, he only had 10 regular season games. And so him to be able to put that kind of numbers up and then do what he did in SEC championship and the first round of the playoffs were just, it was flat out incredible. Yes, it was. So um, you got the Heisman winner on offense, and this is going to be a very, it's going to be a shootout. Well, I'm going with Alabama. I'm just going to go and say I'm going with Alabama in a close game. But I like Ohio State, too. Don't get me wrong. I think they got a 
a great team too. Even they, even though they play less games in Alabama, so I think they got a great team, <clears throat> and they're hungry. But I like to move. I like to transfer in Sherman. You know, Oklahoma's stupid, <laughs> but hey, mm-hmm. but letting that transfer, let him transfer to Ohio State. I think that was a poor move for them as a, as a school. But hey, uh, it was good for Sherman too. So now he's going to be on that national stage and. Uh, a lot of teams going to be looking at him in the future, so in the draft. So, hey, and if he plays well against Alabama, well, hey, that's even better for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – it is. And I think that, you know, this this game is going to be a lot for draft stock from not only Justin Fields, but also I think Mac Jones can make a case for himself. Um, obviously didn't win the Heisman. Um but I think that he's been very underrated in what he's been able to do this year. His numbers are incredible for what he was able to do this regular season. And, you know, it's, I don't know. I think that, I think that he's, he's, he's going to a little bit to prove. Yeah. He's got a little bit to prove. And I think that it could be a statement game for him to kind of go out there and almost continue, continue what he's been doing all year. Cause I think that he's been more than just that game manager that you look from you know, from an Alabama quarterback, you think of all the ones in the past, like A.J. McCarron, Blake Sims, all those guys like that. Um, were very much game managers, but had so much talent around them that they were able to win championships. And I don't think Mac Jones, you know, quite frankly, falls in that position. I think that he's a playmaker. And I think that his ability to throw the deep ball and his ability to just throw outside passes in general has been very, very remarkable to me. Yeah, I think so, and I agree with you, Matt, on that, because really I thought when Waddle went down, I said, oh, man, they're screwed. They lost another offensive weapon, man. They, 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 they lost a speed guy and Waddle. I, I said, oh, man, Waddle's gone. But I knew they had uh, Smith left, and I knew Smith played well last year as well. Uh, so I was like, oh, man, but Waddle, though, man, he's a key element, man. He's a, he's a first-round draft pick receiver, man. So, But I was like, oh, man, but then Mac Jones, he turned that corner, man, and still stepped up even – more than what I thought he would when Waddle went down. I said, oh, well, he, he Devontae Smith stepped up too. So I was like, oh, man, this Mac Jones is a real deal, man. <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. before then I was like, oh, well, he should play well. He got a lot of weapons. That was my mindset. Oh, he got a lot of weapons. But now since he still stepped up even more when Waddle went down, I said, oh, he's got limited uh, weapons now. So but he still did well. So I was like, oh, has to go off to Mac Jones. But Najee, man. He's been playing well every year, though. So, but man, nah, she's a beast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely. So, I think it may be a little bit too much for Ohio State's defense, their offense. Yeah, you I know, think maybe I think the one game against the one game against uh, Clemson was definitely good for him. Obviously, they didn't play a lot of games this year, but I think that, especially with a quicker turnaround, it's I think this game at the end is just going to be too much for Ohio State to handle. Yeah, I do. And that was an emotional game, Ohio State against Clemson, though, because they got beat by them last year, remember, and uh, uh, just to be able to have a good game against them last year right? at all. He was terrible. <laughs> so, you know, this was a makeup game for him. So that's why I knew this year, I said, oh, yeah, they're going to kill him this year. They're going to kill him because Clemson is not operating on all four cylinders this year. And, you know, they got a lot of weapons that they had when they beat Ohio State. They didn't have them this year. <laughs> so I said, oh, yeah, they're going down. So, you know, that wasn't no surprise game to me, you know. And Justin Field needed to play well because if not, his stocks was going to drop. He had to play well against Lawrence because, uh, the, you know, let's just say the word was out there that they believe Lawrence is better than him and 
he, you know, he's not going to go high in the draft. I'm sure Justin Fields was hearing all this, you know, hey, well, you know, uh, I'm sure he was hearing from his friends and stuff because he's from Atlanta. So, well, Atlanta fans don't want you here, Justin, because, you know, they prefer Lawrence over you. Um, so he wanted to go out and show fans and his friends that he can play just as well, if not better than Lawrence. Right. And he did it. Yep, he did. And that was a huge statement for him. And it had people talking about whether he should be the number one overall pick or not. And as yeah. as good of a game as it was, I you, you if you're the Jets, you cannot, or if you're the Jaguars, excuse me, you cannot, you cannot pass up on on Trevor Lawrence. Um, no, you just can't, man, because he's been very consistent all the years he's been there. Yeah, and you've seen, you've seen a lot, a lot from you know, like I said, you've seen three years from him of just absolute dominance and consistency. You know, yeah, the only game that I consistent. thought. The only game I thought he hadn't played well was this past one against Ohio State and the LSU National Championship game, you know. Yeah. And so every other time he's been very good. So, um, yeah, Most definitely. But it just brings the conversation of do you think the Jets are moving on from Darnold? I mean, I would think so. But, you know, is Justin Fields a guy for him? Uh, I think the Jets, it's time for them to move on. They made a bad draft pick in him. I didn't think they should have picked him in the first place, but they did anyway. Uh, but I, I think that Fields would be better for them because Fields brings something different than Darnold does bring to them. Uh, he's more of a, a two-way player to me. Uh, he he reminds me a little bit um, of that guy in Arizona where he can run or pass. Right. So he can mix it up a little bit. So I, I would go with him over Darnold, and I would either bench Darnold or look for a trading, get some pieces in there to help you out. I think that's a good move for him. I agree. All right, man. Definitely. Well, I'll let you plug all of our social media. Uh, we will we will get on out of here. Sure thing, man. We're at, you can catch us at sportsbrothersatlanta.com. You can go through all our – you can uh, obtain or access all our media, social media sites right from our website at sportsbrothersatlanta.com. Um, we're going for Facebook and Spotify – uh, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, we're just about on every platform that you can think of. Uh, you can catch us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, you can catch it at, uh, uh, what's the new one, Anchor, we can catch us on Anchor, all of those are on the Facebook page, uh, so on our Facebook page and our website, so you can go to those platforms and get to us, and shout out to our sponsors as well, like Gentleman Cuts Barbershop um, for them, and uh, some of our other sponsors. Uh, we're going to be bringing us some more sponsors too, as well. So, but we'll let you, we'll keep you in tune with that also as well. So, yep, uh, definitely. All right, guys, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us for about the last hour or so, and um, we'll catch y'all next next time. And uh, hopefully, we'll have some more good news with the Braves, Hawks, and and Falcons. Sure thing.